Welcome back to the Raised Hunting Podcast. How are you guys today? Again, joining I'm me. I, I'm doing pretty well. I wasn't asking you. Oh. I was asking them, the viewer. Okay, so you don't count, so keep your mouth shut until I introduce you. You're not here yet. That was aggressive. Okay, I, that's because I've had enough of this. All right? <laughs> I like it. Get her going. Okay, so, and joining wow. me today is Warren and Easton. Hello. How are you guys doing today? <laughs> that's where it's supposed to come in. Warren? What? Address the viewer. Hello. <laughs> Goofballs. All right. So today's topic is really pretty freaking cool. Well, but anyhow, long story short, there's two of them now because I just got another one that I want to mention. Well, we got to shout out people. Okay. Well, hang on. Let me introduce the topic. Then we'll do the shout outs. Okay. Topic today is going to be reading deer and secondary rut. Oh, Someone okay. asked a question about the second secondary rut. And so Logan Matson and Dan Pohl are the two guys that we're kind of targeting today. Thank you targeting. guys for your input. I don't know what you want to call it. They, they, better, out. they better hope Easton's hunting them. I don't know. <laughs> he didn't do any better. <laughs> I killed a deer. So did I. Only by default. Okay. <laughs> How's that? The, the, How would that even make that, sense? Yeah, I don't the know. Deer, the deer finally just said, somebody walk in front of him because he's not going to go away. Exactly. That's that, called. That was, yep. was that not the conversation we <laughs> Warren had? Warren said they got you against the locker. And you know what? It's more annoying to a bully than anything is when you just won't quit. Yeah, you just keep coming. Yep. I I not I would I've said this a million times. I'm not that good a hunter. I just time them to death. Yeah, they, they finally give up. <laughs> I think that was really good advice. At that point, I was like, "Look, we can't. We keep trying to think this and make it all make sense. And the only thing that we can make sense is that it at doesn't this make point, sense. We just aren't going to quit. There's right. no <laughs> point in quitting now. We've already gone, done 95 percent of it. So we're yep. just going to annoy the right. out of these suckers until one of them decides to die." All right. He decided. So who are we shouting out today? Is this the Spotify guys or the Apple guys or a combination of both? Or? Spotify guys just keep crushing it. They are sailing way over 200 reviews. So we got to just love those guys. And then uh, Gary Bateman on Apple Podcasts. And then Cat Adam. I'm not sure if this is Catum or Cat Adam. 932875. Jeez. It says, found this podcast last week and love it. Listen to it nonstop now. And then we got a shout out, uh, Love and Life 139 on YouTube. So we've been doing, he says, what about us little old YouTube viewers? I noticed y'all never interact with the comment section. Got y'all's nose up the butts of folks of other platforms, though. <laughs> <laughs> so... We do. We are very bad about. We are about you. That's why I made sure to just comment because we we will take ownership that we suck at checking the YouTube comments. He said, then somebody answered and said, "You can go through their videos, et cetera, and see plain as day that they don't entertain the comments and should have commented, should have comments just turned off because they never replied to my comments or anyone else's for that matter." However, I can't say that is not true because there's several that you can go through and I can tell you that i've replied to but well, we also i'm gonna like give to, it to give you this hold on we should be doing a better job of say we uh, like to answer because i didn't even too. know that this existed on youtube so that's yeah, your own fault you, don't don't hard, you still think spotify okay. is shopify so right. so I mean, but my point is if i go into youtube i could see comments and i could comment on the just the podcast portion of it correct? no crap yes no i'm asking that question yes okay i can do that anyways what i was gonna say okay to problem solved everyone youtube <laughs> FYI, a lot of the people that do ask questions, we don't respond to the comment necessarily directly to that because a lot of times it gives us a topic. 
So a lot of our sh- our spot now you got me saying Shopify, <laughs> our Spotify and Apple Music people, well Apple Podcasts I guess that sends them in whether it's a comment or sometimes they'll send it to us directly. We use them as a podcast. I think we and need I most I mean I'll answer saying hey we're gonna use it as a podcast or it's gonna go on the list. But I don't normally necessarily answer the actual question. We'll need to do another giveaway soon and we'll have to make sure that we really take care of the YouTube guys. Do you remember our rap right. guys? We've name? been we've the been butt sniffers for, for the other platforms. Who what? what do you guys remember the rapped name? Uh Eminem. No, David. Oh, oh no, I you're the one that sent it. I cannot handle your crap sometimes. What? Who is the guy that posted a now everybody now our retention just dropped through the floor. Nope. I can't I am in They're a bad be... mood now. So <laughs> oh, jeez. You just don't like it because the deer think you are queer. Ooh, look he did. Oh, it was Logan. <laughs> it was Logan. Logan Matson. We're yeah, using Logan's your podcast to, or we're using your topic today. He already said that. Already okay. Said that. So uh, listen, and he it. is also the one that posted his rap because we were in the top of his podcast listens. So thank man. you for that too. Holy crap. Screw me for trying to appreciate our people. <laughs> you guys Awkward are weird. Silence. Weird, 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 cricket, weird. Cricket. All right. So Logan, his comment was last week we kind of touched on it and then we got off on a tangent and we didn't go back to it. We never started it. No, I mentioned that we were going to talk about um, reading deer and not like a book, not like flipping a page. You got to drop the dad jokes today. Okay. We're going to read They're deer. Awful. So, sour patch kid. <laughs> anyhow, Logan's question was How do you know when there's a, can you tell whether there's a deer that you should rattle at or that you should grunt at or which one should you do? Um, so, there's different levels of reading deer, is what I would say. Number one, sometimes you don't know. Sometimes you have to take a guess and throw something at them when, when you've you got nothing to lose. That's one of the things that. I try to tell everyone I carry my antlers and I carry my grunt call from day one, from the beginning of the season to the end of the season. And that is because if I get into a situation where I have a buck that's walking away or walking by and I got nothing is going to hurt, it's a perfect time, wind's in the right direction, that would be one of the biggest ones that I would tell Logan or anyone else that if the deer is downwind of you, don't do anything. I don't care how much you want to or if they're or if they can get downwind very easily, they're headed that way. The last thing that you want to do is throw a call of any sort at them because all they're going to do is wind you, and then when they wind you, and they're going to associate winding you with the sound they just heard, and the next time they hear that sound, they're not coming. This would be the first year that I, because uh, I've never been like I don't carry my antlers from day one. I normally carry them like two two weeks into the season, somewhere in there. And this would be the first year that I would probably have been like, well, I probably should just carry them just in case. Because I think that your non-common times of calling, so like when, uh, like during the rut, obviously, or right around it, bucks are fighting. Bucks are grunting, bucks are doing all this, that, the other, whatever. Before that and after that, I think, is sometimes the best times to do it because they ha- they aren't hearing it all the time. So they're not running over here, running over there, checking this or checking that, or, oh, it's just another fight kind of thing. It's like, oh, that's out of the ordinary. Why are they fighting right now? I'm going to go check it out. And this year on October, like, 9th, I watched uh, two bucks just go ham on each other that I think that – and then two two other bucks came to them because of it. 
So that's way, way early. And I, I normally wouldn't have thought of, oh, have antlers with me or b- thinking of it. But in that case, I think that they, they're like, why are you guys getting ready so early? And it's not like they were going to be mad or like uh, educated if I were to rattle at them. They probably they would either came came to it or they would have been oh uh, I don't really I don't really care or not why, come to it yeah well I'm saying that it's not going <laughs> to hurt anything genuinely like what is it hurting? It's the only two possible options. <laughs> no, you could alert alert them and they could run away. Right, which would be not coming. No, I'm talking about they just keep doing their thing. They don't really care. Uh, which I think that's kind of funny because we're all I think the three of us are probably completely different on calling. At all. Just our viewpoints on it. I do it a lot. Yeah. I hate it. I know. I, no, I don't hate it. It just, one, I can't seem to rattle a deer in to save my life. And then, two, I think when I'm chasing an individual deer, you know, my odds of being able to rattle in that one particular one, I like my odds of trying to figure out what he's doing and jump him more than I do trying to, call him in now like sure if i'm in a position where he's close by and i need him to close that last little gap i'll try it but it's the big eight was nervous about it the big eight was sold me on i mean now i saw him i could see him but i waited till he walked out of sight as soon as he walked out of sight i hit the antlers and here he came back what was the date of that though like november 7th Ninth. It was either seventh or ninth. I get them messed up with straight up. Straight up was which one? The ninth, and I think um, he was the seventh. But that time period, I would I'd rattle too. If it was like October twenty fifth, I probably wouldn't. That's when I I've killed two that way. Though. I I know you have. You 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 kill them in that window with rattling. But I've never killed. I don't think I've ever killed a single deer from rattling. My if I'd simply take my last six six bucks I've killed. Fifty percent is rattling. Yeah, three of them were, three of them weren't, and the three that were came running. Now, I but Alyssa is the best rattler, whatever the hell you'd call that, I've ever seen. Yeah, she does rattle. She a lot typically of hits the antlers, and it every flipping time. Maybe it's a woman's finesse. I think it's because she goes for like three minutes. She goes for a really long time. Because I remember the first time I was like, you know, I was about to do the significant <laughs> other thing and be like, you're rattling way too long. And yeah. then here comes two or three bucks. I say, like, all right, maybe I'm going to keep my mouth shut here for a minute. I'll, and then I'll be on- next day, same flipping thing. And I th- every time she just. I think when you're rattling, unless you can see them uh, and be able to see what how they're interacting, this, this is probably going to be a very opposite take. But I think when you were rattling, and for instance, blind rattling, nine times out of ten, you're not rattling long enough. I think everybody's paranoid of the movement and rattling too much and stuff, and they rattle for 15, 20, 30 seconds kind of thing, and expecting that to be, okay, the deer's going to turn on a dime and come to it. If you watch them interact with each other, there's lots of times where I've watched bucks fight for a good amount of time, and nothing is going on until maybe five, six, seven minutes into them fighting, another one shows up because yeah, it convinces them enough that, okay, they're really going at it for something. But you well, got to be I'm careful, not, though, because... I'm not going to rattle for six, seven minutes, but I would rattle longer than the average person. The but six, seven minutes isn't the... not That's like them screwing around, in my opinion. Because not when, you wa- when they're flat getting it, it's like a minute tops. I watched it this year, for, <clears> and they did it two or three different times, and they were not playing around. They were flat out drilling each other for six minutes straight they would go on for about a minute or two and then you're like oh they're done 
and then give yeah. it another 30 seconds, boom, hammering again. And they did it three, four different times where I finally stopped filming because it was so long and they were not playing with each other, not yeah. even a little bit. I was saying six minutes straight. I'm talking about you have a sequence of six minutes. I'm not saying actually do it that long, but right. watch your deer. Pay attention to them. They, read the deer. They're not doing it for 20 well, seconds. We haven't answered any of that. I know. That, what is reading the deer? What are so, you looking for? Okay, but but I want to go to what Easton's talking about because it's one thing. to I want as much realism as I possibly can when I'm rattling. I want to sound like a real. I'm actually trying to think of what would it sound like. And so I probably rattle a little longer than most people as well. And But at the same time, if I see a deer responding, you need to put the antlers away. Because those suckers will pinpoint the tree that you're in and come directly to that tree, and that's not necessarily what you want. Because not if what you want at all. You you want them to come in the area and look around. Um, but and so and and I can remember the I don't know if he was one of the first ones, but the buck we killed at the eighty that day, I rattled at the first buck. I remember that was coming across the field, and I kept rattling, and he got he pinpointed us and turned around and left. And I'm like, gosh, dang it, I rattled too long. So then all of a sudden, here comes the buck that I ended up shooting. As soon as I saw him turn and respond, that he was that he had heard what he was, I put the antlers away, and this time he came all the way into 30 yards and looked around, and I think I shot him at like 25 yards walking by us. It's a whole different ball game, though, when you can see them. Absolutely. When I can see them, and I see them, if I'm calling at them and they commit, then I'm I'm done, and unless there's some random something happens or they get distracted or something. But if they turn like they, they heard it and they're coming, no more. Because they, they as long as they're far enough away or, I don't know, a, a ways away enough that they don't know exactly what tree it came from, they're going to come in and most likely give you some form of opportunity because they're going to come looking for it versus what you're saying, calling too much. Well, but that's reading the deer right there. That is, that's assuming you can see them when you're calling. Yes. Now, the other thing that I'll do is I'll stick my antlers on the other side of the tree. A lot of times, meaning for two reasons. One, they don't see them clashing around. And number two, get that sound a little farther away and try and throw it off just a little bit of some sort so they don't pinpoint exactly where they're coming to. Yep. Um, but so, but when we're talking reading the deer, I guess I want to, I, I think we're on a great part of the topic here, and that is reading deer that we're calling to, but then there's reading deer that we want to shoot. And I and I think we'll cover both of those. Yeah, I think before you even get to that, let's go over the the um what makes you decide that you're going to call to a deer when you're looking at his body language. You're just looking at him and how he's behaving. What makes you think, okay, I'm definitely gonna call it this deer or I'm not going to call it this deer? Uh I my number one reason for not calling is wind. Okay. Number one. That that's that it's not I'm not reading the deer. I can have the exact same I could have a deer number okay, one but let's say you have a deer that is out in the field, okay? Okay. And he and he's just in the food plot feeding and then some does run off and now he's just he seems really nervous. He just seems really nervous, on edge, but you know, you're getting close to dark and so you're afraid he's gonna go back in the woods and this is the deer that you're trying to shoot. Are you gonna call it that deer? Probably no. probably not. Okay, why? Because I don't I don't think I have enough. If it's starting to get dark, the response time that it may take, I'm going to get his attention, and I'm now I got his attention on me. Okay. And I don't think that he – I want to have enough time for him to be able to get there because a lot of times this doesn't happen in 30 seconds. It does happen once in a while, and that's great. But typically it may take 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes for a buck to – Okay, so let's say there's an hour before dark. Okay. 
are you now are you gonna call him or not? And then, and then when you are deciding that, I want you to mean I want you to tell me what is his what are you looking at on his body? What is he doing? What is his body language telling you that gives you the indicator to call or not? Well, the first one that I'm looking for, I'd love to see the deer make a scrape or or do something of that nature or rub a tree or something that tells me he's somewhat aggressive. Um, okay. If he's not, if he's just standing around, I'm probably not going to rattle at him because if he's out in a food plot or out in a field, and then there's a very likely opportunity of him seeing me, you know, or being able to just turn his head and look at where is that coming from. I should be able to see what I'm looking for. The whole element that so we're... should you grunt at him first? And then, because maybe it's not as clear that you might not be able to hear it as well. I would like to, I, why, Go I would it. like you to direct answer questions to me too. Because <laughs> I have answers for this. Angry, I disagree. Angry boy. Uh, you're, the chances of having a buck come out into a field that is going to uh, basically tell you he's aggressive to call at him is going to be That's what I'm slim. saying. The, the chance, as long as they are calm and I can get away with something, I'm not worried about my own movement. I'm not worried about the fact that they're alert. So in the situation you're saying that all the does run out of the field, I'm probably not. If, if he stays, all the does ran out and he stays in the field and he's nervous, I'm letting him be for a little bit, especially if I have time. I'm going to see if, number one, if he starts leaving the food plot, I'm letting him go. Number two, if he starts feeding again, he starts feeding like whatever. I don't really care what those does were doing. I'm staying out here anyways. I'm going to let him comfort get comfortable again, and then I'm going to call to him. Because if you have no chance of him coming over to me, I'm not going to, number one, educate him with the does running off and him not knowing what's going on. So if I can get him back in his natural state where he was already out in the food plot doing his thing, he clearly doesn't care too much about why the does ran off. So now I'm going to try to pique his interest. Now, at the same time, in the wide open field, same thing. If they're out there, I don't care if they're making a scrape. I don't care if they're making a rub. If they're doing their thing, feeding, chasing a doe out there, checking does kind of thing, I'm going to get there, try to get their attention. I'm not going to wait for them to try to show me an aggression because for all I know, they could be aggressive one day, the next day they don't give a crap. Okay. So is what I'm trying to do, and I think that um, you're you're providing indications that a deer may come in. So what I'm trying to do is help us paint a picture to answer the question, which the question is reading their behavior. And so what that means is what the deer is doing, right? So it, you guys are both speaking from you already understand. Okay. I'm trying to paint a picture of what your situations are. Right. And so is what I'm saying is if the deer is, if he is halfway out in the field and he's stiff-legged, meaning he's really tense and he's looking around, his head's up all the time, he's turning and he's, and he's checking the wind constantly, that to me is an alert deer. Yeah, he's nervous. If he's kind of doing the stiff-legged walk and he's, uh, maybe he's, and he's, you know, just checking everything, that's a nervous deer to me. So that's what I'm trying to get to is what are the things that you're looking for in there that their body is telling you? What are the things that their their literal body language is giving you indicators of is what we're talking about the now. Issue I think is, this is a, it's a podcast. This is why I right, want to take can the topic illustrate, and illustrate literally because showing the deer is a whole nother story because I can't tell you everything that I'm reading. Then you have I got to show it. You have to turn your tongue into a oh, paint paintbrush and paint a picture as though I just did. You Everybody knew that. exactly what I was talking about when I said a stiff-legged deer and he's got his head up and he's yeah, checking that, the wind. That deer you're never calling to. But okay. At the same, so now your other one? side, your stiff-legged deer that's walking, I could also argue the fact that 
okay, he could possibly be posturing up to another deer. How are we going to know that? How am I, how am I going to know that? Because there's one he's bristled up. Okay. stands up. So and painting so, the picture of just stiff-legged doesn't no, you, give you much. Everybody knows. Now people probably know what a bristled up deer looks like, if right? If they look puffy, they're probably pissed. Yeah. <laughs> well, so they, if you have a deer that is doing a stiff-legged the, walk. The other thing about the stiff-legged, okay, so stiff-legged walk is almost stomping the ground. That's them using their interdigital gland to let everyone know there's something wrong. The, the walk you're talking about is a sideways walk when they when they become posturing. Posturing is referring to a deer, ears are laid back, head is aggressive. down, aggressive look, like ant, like almost pushing their antlers forward as they walk into another deer. That would be a, an aggressive pose of a deer. Yes. And, and most deer... And That's that. how they. That is how they solve altercations, right there. They get to that point, and then it never gets to the point of them actually clashing. You um, know, which and so that would that be a deer that you'd want to call to? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He. Yes. Yeah. This dude. This dude is like on fire. You know, he wants to beat up on everyone. You're looking for the one that's got one eye. Half his rack is broken. So let's you know? take a scenario. Let's say that this buck, two bucks, get a fight, right? And they they. Don't just pansy around. They they fight. Yep. And one gets beat, but you'd shoot the loser too. Would you call to the loser, or, is, or are you not calling to him because he just got his ass? You'd kicked? Shoot them both. You'd shoot either one. I'm calling. Well, I. But I'm more so like, well, let's just say the loser is your target buck. Okay. So take the winner out of the picture. Let's say he's got a hot doe or whatever the instance is. Do you call to the loser? Will he come in, or are you afraid to call to him because he just got his ass kicked? I have an opinion that I don't know how valid well, I'm, it is. I'm going to say I, I I have a scenario. I mean, we had that happen, I, although it wasn't a shooter, and that was the big eight. We watched him and that other buck fight, and when that other buck came out, I wasn't I did not want to call to him because I was afraid he would come. But at the same time, because remember he came out and rubbed the same tree that the big eight rubbed. Yeah. And so, it, but at the same time, had that been a shooter, would I have thrown a call at him and, and hope that he, if it's not going to hurt me, I'm, I'm probably going to try. Yeah, but you would think, if you think about this, he, he he's going to be reluctant. He, he's either, what, is, what are your options? If he's got, if he just got his butt kicked, he's either going to respond to the fight that he's hearing now in multiple ways he could avoid that spot because like, I am not dealing with another conflict right now. So now you just hurt yourself because he's going the other way or he's going to avoid you completely or he might not care or you, you, there's not that. So that one, there is a genuine downfall too, or could be because he could, uh, he could see that with, uh, okay, I'm not going to, not going to go over there now at all because there's fighting and I'm not fighting again right now. I think that's where it depends on the demeanor of the deer because I, I've seen a few that Alyssa of course rattled in that after they got their ass kicked, they, they didn't okay give a shit. They were ready to go again. Yep, they're like, All right, well, I may not have beat his ass, mm -hmm. but I might be able to beat one of your guys's. And My, here he came. What I'd be doing if it was in the situation of it being a specific deer I'm trying to hunt, because I don't want that to happen when I don't know how they're going to interact after losing a fight like that. If I want to give myself a shot, I might rattle or something lightly. Make it where it's not very easy to tell, where he can at least, I know that he can hear it, but... I'm not expecting him to turn and come running in. All I'm doing is expecting him to know that something's going on over there in hopes that in 15, 20, 30 minutes, he's like, all right, and circles in somewhere where he's going to come check it out. Because a lot of times when you do rattle or you make some kind of call, 
it could be 30 minutes afterwards because they heard it. They just aren't coming right now. They're going to come check it out in a minute or come sniff around and see who is there. Yep. Okay, so now let's take a next scenario. Now we're in a food plot. You're off of the food plot a little bit, so they can't see right to you, okay? And a good buck comes out, one you'd like to shoot. He walks out into the field. He's not displaying any signs of dominance. He's not chasing does around. He's just feeding, okay? Uh, He's calm, just feeding. That's all he's doing. You know, his body language would tell you that he's relaxed. Now this deer, what are you doing? Are we, is this going to be all calling situations? Well, I think that was, first off, I'm just trying to say, because now when you call, you guys are going to call the deer, right? I'd call to him. I would. You're you're not going to? I I don't like calling to him. When I, when, when I, when they can, when I know they have a very good chance of seeing where it's coming from. Okay, 50-50. What do you mean 50-50? We're off the food plot a little bit, so he can't see that well. We'll Okay. Actually, we're going to go. Not even 50-50. He can't see that well. He, he He's 150 yards out there, and you're in the timber enough that okay. like, he'd have to at least yeah, come I'm, over. I'm, I'm throwing a call at that deer. Okay. So now, this is the body language part. What is the What are you looking for of a response from that deer to tell you to either quit calling, keep calling, or that to change calls or to what are you going, what are you looking for out of that deer's body language? Ears and ass. I, I, I'm, I'm, that's what I, I watch to see if they twitch their ears, if they turn their head and look at me, then I know they heard me. If I mean, I'm I, I really want to see if I, if at all I can see the deer and I, and we're fortunate a lot of times with a camera guy, I'll tell them you stay on the deer and tell me what he does. Okay. So let me, let's just go through the typical scenario. I'm the deer. You guys are rattling first. Is that right? At, I, a, at, it, at 150, it depends, yeah. depends okay. on distance. Okay. But I'm not going to go in straight I'm into it. presenting. Okay. I'm gonna That's what they wait. do. I'm going to sit. He's probably going to put his head up and stare your direction. Do you keep calling? Nope. No. Okay, why not? I, because now he'll pinpoint where it's coming from. Whether so I'm waiting for him to just hear it that way. Well. I want him to lose interest a little bit. I want him to like, oh, maybe I didn't hear what I thought I heard and start to turn his head. And the okay. moment that he turns his head, I'm going to hit him again. Okay. And that's what I'm watching for. And, and what I, I can tell you this, when I say ears or ass, I, what I'm talking about is when I see them twitch their tail, that typically when they take a step and they're twitching their tail, they're almost like, I, I'm letting you know I'm coming over there. Yep. Yep. Okay, so then let's just say you do this two or three more times. He keeps looking, but he doesn't move. Are you going to switch calls? You've done it multiple times and he you, hasn't? You, <clears throat> he'll keep looking, and he kind of acts like he's interested, but he won't really commit he won't do anything um you know he'll stand there and and look over and just keep staring at you but then he just goes back to feeding i i'm done you're not I gonna grunt no. or snorbies at him i would i'd throw <laughs> one more at him right because okay, but which, I, would, I, wait, I would which call is next only one i'm throwing one at him that i know he's gonna hear and it's gonna be a snortwheeze i'm gonna wait for him to start to really lose interest like I, if i'm waiting for him to put his head down and then i hit antlers again and he's still not he just looks I'm going to let him do his crap. He clearly doesn't care that much. But now I'm going to single him out specifically. And if that – I'm doing it once. And if he still puts his head back down and whatever, leave it. It is interesting how on the very last day in the morning, Alyssa and I hunted, we had a buck come by, and I grunted at him and tried everything. And he's, uh, he was a, a mature deer. He's probably five and um, this eight. And I grunted at him, did everything I could. He wouldn't do anything. I snort wheezed at that sucker. And called him in three times. 
and he just wouldn't come out from behind the thick stuff. But I mean, the I mean, like he came right in. He was obviously a stupid deer because he could see everything, you know. <laughs> and then he'd walk back. I'd let him get to like forty-five, fifty, and I'd snort wheeze at him again, and here he'd come again. Grunt though, rattling. He didn't care at all. That was obviously way later in the season. Well, that's what I'm saying. If <clears throat> in the situation that the, he keeps looking and doesn't care for, at rattling when I'm rattling yeah. at him, then I'm going to one call that he knows is at him, and he's either going to nut up or shut up, and he's either going to keep doing his thing and mosey on, or he's going to turn around and be like, "All right, you really want to push this? Let's do it." Yep. The other thing I've seen that seems kind of interesting to me is I've seen them where they'll like just start like feeding your way and just taking their time. Then all of a sudden, like they hit like a certain point, and it's like, okay, I'm not worried about feeding anymore. And I'm here they come. There. Yep. I could give you one that uh, was the most difficult I've ever had, and he did that. Was Frayne. I had this buck come into 16 yards, and then I had him come into five yards this year, and I could not shoot him either time. I know that sounds freaking crazy, but I could not shoot him. There was no hole, or he was giving me terrible angles. And the first time he showed up, I saw him like 100 yards walking just. Kind of, I mean, he was to a ways away from us, like 100 yards, but walking up the hill away from us. And I, I want to say I no, I grunted at him because I, w- I wanted to see if he could at least hear the grunt. He didn't act like he could hear anything. So I just rattled at him a little bit. I was just going to give him a, enough for him to turn and make sure he could hear it and then hang him up. And he turned and listened <coughs> and then put his head back down and turned and looked again. And I d- hadn't rattled again. And then he just kind of lost interest. And so I had told Joey with that situation because I couldn't tell exactly what he was doing. I said, he's either going to keep doing his thing, he's really focused on trying to find a doe up there or something, or we'll give it like 15, 20 minutes. I bet you he circles back around. Well, 10 minutes go by, and next thing you know, he's popped up over here now in front of us at like 60 yards. And I'm thinking he's circling. like He's going to come check out what was going on. And instead of him doing anything that presents me opportunity to read what he's doing – He'll sniff around like he's sniffing for a doe or something. He's walking slow as can be and feeds around a little bit. He'll start to go to the right like he's going to leave and feed around. And you're like, dang it. And then he'll turn around opposite direction, come right back. And this deer never presented any consistency in body language whatsoever because even when he got to 50 or 60 yards, he's going to, he looks like he's going to come by, go by us, and we're never going to have a shot. And I grunted at him. He doesn't pick his head up. Grunted at him again, doesn't pick his head up. I said, you piece of crap. And I freaking snort wheezed at him, doesn't pick his head up. And I know he can hear it. So now I'm like, okay, I got nothing else for this deer. Well, he kept doing his little zigzag feeding thing, slow as can be, and ends up turning and comes into 16 yards. So the deer, I had no way to read him whatsoever. And he did not give me any opportunity to read him whatsoever. But he was interested. There was just no way to tell he was interested. But he ends up at 16 yards. Oh, the fact that he was walking towards you. He wasn't. He never freaking did. He he would go How back. How did he get to five yards then? That one that was after the doe. He came in at 16 on that one. He, well, How did he, he get to 16? Obviously because he is coming in because he is interested. I'm saying he, has, he never showed of interest because he feeds and he's not giving you any representation of, oh, hey, I acknowledge that you're there. I heard you. And I'm going to come towards you. It was simply he could hear a grunt, and a minute later he's still walking away and then turns around and keeps feeding. And when I say excessively slow, I mean like when do- deer are out in a field when their head are, is down and they're feeding an inch at a time. That's what he was doing. See, that would tell me that Dagger done whooped his butt. And so he was just trying not – he was trying to be very cautious about where he was going. And 
you know, no was first. Yeah, no need to Would get. Would you like no, me to throw no a wrench to, in that one too? Sure. Because I thought the same thing, and then he turns around and comes and runs about four or five other bucks off, and is snort wheezing at them, grunting at them. Once he got a doe, he has a doe, and now he not another deer will even look at him. They try to get close, and then the moment he picks his head up and looks at him, they're running. And they he were a dagger though. No, I'm just saying that you'd think that a buck that is that scared of other bucks is would would not be that dominant to other deer. No, chicks change things, man. That's what I'm saying. You know, so when, it's uh, once throws she a whole up. wrench in the things of him being aggressive or not. But that and so that would be the other one. It, it, so reading a buck that is following a doe, it ain't happening. Yeah, you better you, be you, in the path. You yep. You I mean you can throw the kitchen sink at him, and unless they unless she comes by, he ain't coming off there. Yep. Not so, even worth your time. But um, I don't know. I mean, I, so here's what I would t- tell someone. Ten years ago, 20 years ago, um, I did a lot of calling, way more than I do now. And now I don't do near as much because wind is such a prevailing factor for me that I just, if I think that, number one, if it's not a buck I want to kill, I don't want to call to him because I don't want him to come in and get educated. So I end up passing up all these opportunities to call it bucks. Um, I don't do a lot of blind rattling. I do some, you know, so, but when the, the going back to the scenarios that you were throwing at us, if I got an open field and I got a deer that's anywhere around, or I can see this deer, I would prefer that the deer walk out of sight. I would like for them to walk out of sight before I hit the antlers because oh. I feel like, <clears throat> And, and, I'll, and the big eight was a perfect example. I had all the time in the world. It's getting toward the evening, and he's walking by the food plot. He did not come down, and he was up on the hill, and he was going across. But I knew it was him. I knew it's the shooter that I'm looking for. And I told Brendan, we're going to let him go. He's like, what? And I was like, we're going to let him get out of sight. When he gets out of sight, then I'm going to hit the antlers. And then he, they, because I was terrified that is all he would do is look down in that food plot and go, you I don't want to kill that deer. I don't. I don't there. see. I don't see the deer that I should see. Yeah, you got to make them look for it. It's just the same reason we have collars for elk. For yeah, if absolutely. you're wanting to paint pictures for that situation specifically, you're in an open food plot that is in a bottom, and he's right. coming across a hillside that's 70, 80 yards of in front of you, and if the hillside isn't, he can see into the we're in a field. Ground, we're in a double bull blind. Yep, and your your double bull blind is just on the edge of the food plot. There's right. not trees or anything by it. It's I mean, he can, from where he is at, he can see the whole entire food plot. So that situation right there is totally different from somewhere where there's 70 or 80 yards and they can't see to you. Correct. So that that one right there, you ha- you got to let him go. Right. Because otherwise, I did that with Elway last year, even though I didn't want to. He was at same exact, pretty much the same exact situation or setup, and he was facing away from us. And I, it was the, the one deer I was looking for, and I just was like, I don't know what to do because... He's going to walk away, and by, by the time he walks away, I know there's no chance he's coming back that, that day at least. And I rattled at him, and he did exactly what I could have predicted he was going to do. He came back about 20 yards to where he could see the entire bottom that we were sitting in and looked around for a little bit, didn't see anything. Ah, I'm good. Turned around and walked away. Um, so we want to go into the second portion of this? Sure. That you were talking I mean, about? Because I, I do think, I think that, in my opinion, getting – Obtaining the ability to really read and understand animals is probably the single most uh, beneficial skill to a hunter. That's the, uh, to I, a bow hunter. Absolutely. I tell everybody that asks about, like, what is a very 
the strongest thing that can make you a good hunter. The thing that separates you from being a good hunter and a great hunter is understanding body language. And I think that I would be happy to die on that hill. I I think it'd be a tough one to fight. Yeah. And and here's the thing too with it is I don't honestly I don't know that I don't know that this podcast will help with because I don't know if you can I don't know if it can be taught. Teach it. I mean, I mean, you it's just see flat it. experience. Yeah. I was gonna yeah. say that with our exp- or what we're saying here does not help that much. And that my biggest tip was gonna be as stupid as it sounds, pay attention to how they're interacting with other deer, not when you're affecting how they're acting. But like literally sitting and watching a field where you can watch a fawn interacting with a doe or a doe running from a buck or a buck interacting with another buck or another doe. Take notes of their little mannerisms and things that they're doing when something else is coming or when they're paying attention to something. That's going to be your quickest it ain't gonna be quick. And but it's gonna be the ing- best way it'll of ingrain learning. in you, you know, if you're if you're a bow hunter, it's because you love hunting. You're gonna be mm-hmm. paying attention to those things. And, and we're not saying we're great hunters or anything else. We're saying is we've realized that just done that, it a lot. The amount of time that we've spent and being able to pick up on those little things has helped us a lot in certain situations. And because openly pay attention to it because you will pick up on it a lot quicker than just hunting in general. Well, because the 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 tipping point when the, with a bow and arrow is getting to full draw. I mean, and if you can't read the deer, if you don't understand when you need to draw or when you can draw, when you can't, because there's times when an animal can flat-ass see me and I draw my bow. That would be a good, we could, we should describe a couple of those. Well, I think people, I have a perfect one. (laughs) I have a perfect one. Yeah. Uh, So the, like, I don't know, it was like the 28th or the 29th, I was taking Alyssa hunting, my fiance. Uh, November? Yeah, of November, and we had a unbelievable sit tons of deer everywhere and we had um and it was one of those where i just knew one of the shooters was going to show up just because we'd seen every other deer on the on the entire place and so here's the situation we've got deer behind us got deer in front of us and i'm standing up filming this is one of those things where you don't sit she asked me twice i'm gonna sit down no no you're not you're standing up (laughs) And, uh, because we had so many deer and then I look over and here comes another deer and this one's a shooter. This is a RJ. He's a big deer and he's comes right over. And now there's a deer right in front of her. That is a spike. And he's at like 22 yards. And then there's another doe at like 50. And then there's another little buck to the right of him at like 30. And he, the shooter is about 45 yards coming right at us. And so I'm telling her, grab your bow, grab your bow. And she's like, there's a little buck. And I was like, grab your bow. And so finally she grabs her bow, and the little buck sees this. However, and is what I'm thinking, you know, is she managed to get her bow, and then he gets to 20 yards. And the little buck saw her grab her bow, but at least now she's got her bow in her hand, and he's at 20 yards. Did he run away or did he stay? The little buck. He just looked, okay, he's, right? He's still there, though. Yep, right? he's still okay. there, and he's looking at us. Like, he's got us pegged for sure. And so she's still concerned about him. Me, at this point, if I was in her same shoes, I know that this little buck is probably going to do a little goofy runoff or something here in a minute. And as soon as he does that, I'm going to draw, right? And he does that. So he finally he's decided, okay, I'm not going to keep staring at this thing. I'm just going to kind of run off. And when he does that, what does RJ do? He picks up, because he was quartered to us. There's no way she could have shot anyways. And it, and it, the deer ended up being a little too far for her. He was at like 30. Um, well, he came to 20, then he was messing around. He was at 30. Anyways, he's looking at us, and then and then he turns when he sees this little buck do that. I would have drawn right at that 
that moment, and I could have killed that deer. I think a lot of people would be afraid to either grab their bow or afraid to draw because of the, those other deer there. And in that instance, I think that you, to me, if I've got the deer that I've been trying to kill for the entire year, I'm going to risk it. But at the same time, it wasn't a risk to me because I had a pretty good idea how those deer were going to behave, even if they did see something. That I was still going to have enough time, and that RJ did not know what was going on. Right, so therefore you have an idea of how he's going to react. Even if the little buck does, you're anticipating the little buck's going to have an issue. Yep. You know, um, see, to me, you change that little buck to a doe, a mature doe, we got a little bit worse of a situation on our hands because RJ probably is going to respect her. Oh, there's something wrong. Spike. A lot of times they're not going to, they're not going to freak from that. They may watch him like, what was, what are you worried about? Let me see if I can figure it out. At that point, you've got enough time to get a shot. Yep. Well, and I would tell you either one though, if you hear him running off, draw, draw, you need to draw right then because that deer is going to probably be alert. And if it, if it is a doe or whatever, you're probably still going to have a few seconds. Now, that's just giving yourself the, hopefully, the best opportunity, but I would still be coming to full draw, anticipating what he's going to do. For sure. I think one of the best things, I mean, when you're reading deer, um, you're watching them, deer stomping their, I mean, it's Nick and I could give you a whole class on it just from the grizzly blind that we were hunting out of at the 80 when the wind was swirling on us. Yeah. We'd have, we'd have deer that or when you fell asleep, who fell asleep? He did. And fall over and fell over. Blind. No, that was just flat oh, ass scared. Did, of they, did they stomp their feet at that? Oh no, they ran. Oh, they just cleared the field. They just huh? cleared the field. Nick <laughs> shoots his deer and then he's taking naps. We see how it is. <laughs> <laughs> but we had deer that winded us one night and, I was like, there's no possible way. This is supposed to be a southwest wind or a northwest wind. I can't remember which we were hunting it with because you can get by with either. And these deer were west of us. And I was like, there's no way. But yet their reaction told me they were winding us. I mean, you see their head up. They weren't getting a good whiff because otherwise they would have just flat Freaked. freaked out and left. But they were head up. Okay, what's wrong here? One starts stomping their feet. Then the next thing that they're going to do is they're going to start blowing. They're trying to get whatever it is that they can't figure out what it is. They want to get it to move or show itself so that they can confirm, oh, there it is. And so that's the body language that came before the reaction because the reaction eventually was they got enough wind and then they all took off. Yep. I think it. I, you could uh, bust a myth right there, too, if you wanted to. What's, what's that? that? That deer stomping their, or any deer stomping their hooves is them trying to get you to move or do something. That's not even relatively close to what they're doing. They're using their, they're stomping because they're using their inner digital gland, which is also alarming every other deer there that comes in right now or comes in later because they now know that there was danger there something from wrong. that previous right. deer. And they can tell how much inner digital was left behind. No, I think the head bob is in when they're trying to I get. Think they're trying to get you to think that they're feeding again, like they're just. They're oh, yeah, they're, they're going to go down like they're that. feeding, yeah. and then they pop up to look. Yeah, yep. yeah. No, I, that's what I'm saying. Is I that think they're so smart? Yeah, a lot smarter than me this year, but they were smart enough to fool Bryce one time. Seriously? Yeah, that's what that's what allowed Ralph to live another year. Oh my goodness! Simply yep. that right there. They had us pegged a little. Uh, it wasn't a little buck. It was a decent buck. It was like 130, 140-inch deer, and he had two does with him. And I think 
can't remember if he pegged us or one of the other ones pegged us. One of those deer pegged us. And so then they all pegged us, but they couldn't tell what we were, right? And so we did the 15-minute standoff with them, and they're staring at us, and then finally they were starting to chill, right? Well, I told him, because then I look up, and, and Ralph is like 90 yards from us. And so I was like, holy shit. And, and they're starting to calm down. Like, okay, this is good. And so I was like, I got to let Bryce know, though, you know, because he's Ralph is on the hill and sees these does. And so they're coming right at us. So they're, sir, or he's going to come right at us. So he's coming right at us to 15 yards. And so I tell Bryce, I'm like, hey, there's Ralph. And uh, I hadn't even grabbed my bow yet because I knew these does were super alert and they were doing that, that bullshit where they, oh, I'm going to act like I'm feeding it. Oh, gotcha, Grant. You know? <laughs> and Bryce, freaking one of them does that. And as soon as she does that, he moves the camera to get around the tree, Done. drills him, and freaks out. Which we'll see if Bryce listens to this because I don't know that I don't know if he ever knows knew that I knew yeah I that he busted that because uh, I was really upset but I chose to just take the inner turmoil myself yeah. instead of letting him know that I that I know he just screwed that up on a 170 inch deer that we've been chasing <laughs> for 26 days or whatever but whatever it's all good <laughs> you're still so. buddies. Yeah, we're still buddies, but now Bryce knows that I, I did know. Now they're going to be having issues. He's so, like, man, I thought I got away with one. <laughs> so reading them, and another part of that is understanding where I'm aiming. Yeah. yeah. Because where I'm aiming will depend on whether or not, um, you know, I mean, I'll use, for instance, I aim at the lower third all the time. I'm a low shooter. I, that's what I'm shooting at. But when I feel like they're going to respond – it's even more imperative that I'm down there, because, meaning respond, meaning they have some visual keys they're giving me that, uh-oh, things are gone wrong. They, a lot of times they see you draw. That, that'll be the one deer's walking by. The best scenario that you can have is that they go behind something, you can get to full draw, and then, then when they come out, you're, already, you're just in a different position. They don't notice that. But sometimes that can't happen. And in my case anymore, I don't draw very smoothly anymore. My shoulders are so screwed up that c- trying to come to full draw takes a little bit for me. And so I'm getting pegged. You just use a crossbow. No, I don't want to use a crossbow. <laughs> I would rather just get pegged. So <laughs> nothing against you guys that are using crossbows, but I'm not going to use one. So, but, this, but these deer are coming out. And then so if you can read them and understand when especially does does seem to be even more um more visual you can see they're more alerted you know and they're like almost on pins and needles bucks will do the same thing but it seems like the does are really bad about it yep you know and then once they do that they're going so that whole ducking the string or you know ducking an arrow they're not ducking the arrow they're simply running off yeah, and they're reacting. they're reacting and that re- initial reaction is them bending their legs to, to lunge themselves out of there. And so when they do that, they're going down first. So understanding that and knowing I need to be aiming at the lower third of this deer. Um, Does that allow you <clears> – <throat> this could be a whole other podcast in itself, which we're probably going to have to do it, but uh, stopping deer. Stopping deer? Yes. Stomping deer. No, stopping them. Okay, stopping. Stopping them. Do you do, you do it or not? Uh, all the time. You don't think it affects how you hit them? What's the alternative? Uh, just have you not seen all the videos right now, including on your shorts right now, of Dragon about all kinds of people saying that you 
if you can stay away from it, don't ever stop them. Well, yeah, never you, make a noise. Clearly, if they're stopping yeah. on their own, right. yes, but they're avoiding even stopping them if they're like slowly walking or nope. they'd rather shoot them slowly walking or That's taking a stupid. step. I, I'll argue stopping that all day long. It, it gives them the alert position and I, Hundred percent disagree with you. Yeah, that's well, not right. And it also is going to give them a six to eight to ten inch shot farther back, because your arrow is just not getting there. I mean, it a lot of that depends on distance, how far away and how fast your bow is. But still, I can tell you from a lot of experience that at twenty yards, a deer walking at a normal pace, and you got your pin where you want it. If you aren't leading that deer, some you're going to shoot back. Oh, yeah. The arrow 100%. is just not like a rifle. And you can't have my you, drink. I would think, to me, that is where that probably could be coming in is people that are shooting a lot further than they should be. If they're saying that, you know, because well, a lot of that, too, is We're talking if they're 20 or 30 yards and you stop them and you, you should be able to hit the heart, you know, so there should be no you reason to be. Uh, but at the <clears> same time, people will also tell you not to stop them when they're under 20 yards or under 15 yards, which is absurd to me as well that that's going off of people saying that they they run off <clears throat> when they try to stop them or something and uh, well all yeah the maybe old, if you go and all the 10 old yards people away. that are listening there that disagree with that will tell me well that's because you're young and you haven't had enough experience but i've never had one run away well I've, that's i think i qualified to say that i've got some experience yeah i would think so and i'm stopping every animal that i possibly can to shoot them with a bow and arrow mm-hmm. there's very few instances where i don't and it's reading the deer when i don't that i feel like they're going to stop on their own or they're seven or eight yards or something like that, that they're so close that I can get away with, okay, I can just kind of put it an inch or two in front and be okay. But they got to be walking so slow. And well, I think uh, a lot of times, too, you got to man- add them louder than you think. Yeah. Like I, Magnum, I almost yelled at him, but that was only because I knew I couldn't have him not hear me. I had one window to shoot him in, so I had to make sure that it was loud enough that he right. stopped right there. So, no, I'd, I'd rather shoot them in that alert position because the other part of that alert position is provided that you're doing it very fairly quickly. They aren't really alert. They don't know what they heard. Yeah, They, they just know they heard something. What was that? And then you're shooting them. Well, I hear a lot of people talking about that they duck more when they're just feeding. And I don't know if there's any it, information the, that it supports that the or not. Validi- really there is attention. information that supports it. I just don't know how much I... If they're just feeding, I see that's the other one is sometimes guys will say, or oh, that's another one that's going around right now is if they're feeding, their head is down already, they will either wait for them to pick their head up or they will even like man at them or something to get them to pick their head up. And in that situation, I'm, I'm putting an arrow through them before they even react. And, and they're, they'll call me nuts for that one too. But I, I don't, they're, the whole theory behind that is that they have to get their head down in order to duck and run, like we're like what you refer to when they want to react and leave, they have to drop first. They have to get down in a position in order to be able to run away. Yes, so that's them dropping. They have to have their head down as well. Now, and and not necessarily all the way down, but I think the point is that if they're feeding right there, that (gasps) they already have their head in position where they can duck, versus if their head is up, they don't have as much time to be able to get their head down enough to duck and get out of there. And I have seen plenty of video representation of the difference in what it can be. I don't have an issue with shooting them with their head down 
especially, and that's not from aiming excessively low either. That's just putting it top of heart and bottom of the lungs, basically. So, but that's a, I mean, we're on a, we're in a rabbit hole. That's my fault, but that just goes with like stopping your deer and stuff like that, reading them. We could talk about that one more in depth on another podcast. But I, I we should look at some video and see if we can find some stuff that supports that. But well, yeah. I can tell you one that I have right now that coincidentally, and I don't think it's coincidentally, uh, Morphe was feeding. He had his head down, and he he ducked far enough for like a freaking foot. I'm trying to think um, of the six does I shot this year. If any of them were feeding, <laughs> I can remember the first four. I'm lost on the last two. Yeah, none of mine ducked that I can remember. They were, but that, like I said, I shoot low anyhow. So, um, and I had some that were, were like knew we were there, you know, and not from me making a noise, just knew something was wrong. Yep. And I just aimed low, just, yep. you know, let them duck right into it. You know what I mean, so you end up going into, and that's a whole nother video when we talk about lower third, middle third, upper third. Yep. All right. But I think that we've covered, reading deer and I, I I think Warren maybe said or maybe you did Easton that we could sit here and talk about this for three or four hours and it's just not going to do it justice until you start hunting and start seeing how they're reacting and how you're reacting you know um, because one of the biggest things like you mentioned the you know she did the 15 minute stand you know you've got to win that yeah and and what I'm talking about was what Warren was talking about was when one when a deer when the reaction you get from a deer is that it looks up in the tree and it sees you, but you know it hasn't winded you. That's the key. Then a lot of times it's a game is on now to see who's gonna move first. Yep. And who's gonna do something. And we have figured out, I guess, or you have to win that battle because if you don't win that, it's over. I mean, they're gonna freak out. And so you have to stand perfectly still and wait them out and wait them out and wait them out. And you'll, there'll be times when you're like, okay, I'm just going to yell at them. You know, you want to jump out of the tree at them or. I was just going to say, I did that once this year. I you freaked out her, on them. Well, I just gave her the finger. <laughs> I just gave her the finger and, and made sure I was really clear so that she didn't like, wasn't questioning it at all. And so she just finally Left. ran off. Yeah. Stay there, Dan. You're going to turn the podcast off. All right. What was that? <laughs> did we have another topic? That you'd mentioned? Well, we're oh, about an hour. What? what are we at? What was the second? Yeah, one? we're at an hour. Um, secondary Post, rut. Secondary rut. And oh. basically, Dan Pohl had written in and said, one of my boys says there's no such thing as a secondary rut. Just wondering what you guys think. Well, you oh, can... now, we're, now we're getting brought in to settle debates between fathers and sons. Well, that one's just biology. <laughs> and, and there is a secondary rut. Yeah, or there, there is, is a second <laughs> rut. Well, but I could, I could possibly... You'd have to. You don't have. There's context. a secondary time for for those younger does to come into heat, or does that didn't get bred to come into heat. That's I don't literal know if, speaking. Like yes, there is a secondary rut as I, far as the reaction. Is what I'm saying how is they the, act. The rut. It's not like the first one. Yeah, no. you got bucks running around everywhere, all seeking does. You know, I think that yeah, you could you see a. If a uh, hot doe walks by a buck, he's going to do everything he can to breed her, guaranteed. So, and that's what someone needs to understand. A buck can breed at any time of the year, with or without antlers, in velvet, out of velvet, doesn't matter. What he needs is the doe to be in heat in order to let him breed. Breed. 
So, um, so or it, it, reluctantly I, let him breed. Well, <laughs> but so when he, sure Easton says bio, biologically, means. 28 days after, if she does not get bred, 28 days later, she's coming back into heat again. And there's, there is, I don't know, maybe someone with a game farm might be able to tell us whether they will a third time, even if they are missed on the second round. Because occasionally you will see a buck chasing a doe in late December or January. Can't some of those uh, first fawns. year fawns? Yeah. Not yeah, all they, of them, though. No, it's got to be ones that mature faster, early. you know, that were born early. Do we know, have any Dog idea, like, what is the antler. percentage of that? Like, is it I don't know. 50% or? No, I don't, well, know. I don't know. You that. got an antler, Dan. It's the yeah. only one so you found yes, all year. So, yes, there is a, definitely a secondary estrus cycle. Yes. Is it worth yeah. hunting? For sure. I mean, you can definitely see. Matter of fact, I saw a really good buck yesterday. And that would be in the window of us being just after. It was December 8th here in Iowa. Yeah. I mean, it was two days ago. So it would have been December 6th. But that is definitely in the window of 28 days after the peak of our rut was going on. Yep. That a doe could have gotten missed. Because he had his nose down and he was looking hard. You know, and wasn't paying any attention to me. He had that. He had that reaction to him, or he had that body language that there's a doe that's gone through here that is in heat, and he needs to find her. Yep. So, yep. That was so that would answer that question, or I believe that that was the simple answer to that question. I had one other thing on deer behavior, real quick. What's that? I do think somewhat that you can tell some of these deer where they are comfortable and where their home range may be <laughs> by how they behave oh uh for instance like bullwinkle when i found him the i don't know i guess really it was kind of the first time the second time i'd ever seen him out of a tree when he was seven i you and i hung the stand and bryce and i were sitting there and he tells me hey there's like 130 inch deer back here and i was like okay Poor bryce sweet well i put the binoculars on like holy shit that is not 130 inch deer. It's freaking bullwinkle, and his whole demeanor was he just totally walked right by, was smashing a scrape, was just yeah, completely chill. Like I'd then uh, you go over to Spartan Hill, and you can see them never comfortable whatsoever. That's so weird. <laughs> we'll get to that in a minute though, because you're so off topic. <laughs> but, but so, anyways, it's like I remember even telling Bryce, like I almost wonder if this deer is living here because like the way he just seemed so at ease and so comfortable for especially as smart of a deer as he was to be that relaxed and ended up putting a camera there and sure shit he was living there living there and so i do think that somewhat you can kind of get an indicator of how comfortable a deer is in the area now that's that's so broad and vague that i don't know how you could really determine how somebody could look at that and be like okay yeah my deer was acting that way i don't really know how you could do that but what Easton's talking about is there's this hill we've called Spartan Hill that Nick and I were hunting at late season last year. There's a timber, and then there's this big, long hill that's like... It's just grassy hill. Yeah, no just timber a grassy hill, and then there's more ag in the bottom. And all these deer, you'll see, like, we have video of, like, 20 deer lined up. They'll all line up at the timber at the fence, and then they jump the fence. And, and they run. Full sprint. And, and so it's every one of them. Like every one of them. So they nicknamed yeah. it Spartan Hill because it's like Sparta. <laughs> yeah. And down the hill we go. I'm telling you, if you went and stood that fence line, you'd be you'd scared for your life because they are coming at you. It was. It looks that's like, where we ended up shooting my deer, and it was hilarious because I turned around. I had never seen it in person. <laughs> I just got them on my camera all the time of them doing that, 
And I'm like, yeah, that's definitely a thing. And with Nick and him videoing it from last year, this year we're sitting right there, and he goes, dude, dude, there's a bunch of does coming. Watch this. Watch this, man. And they come walking by us. He goes, look, 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 they're doing it. They're doing it. <laughs> and there's like 10 of them lined up. They were all came in a line, but then they all line up and <laughs> go hauling down full, the freaking full bore. I'm like, that is freaking hilarious. He's like, I told you, man. <laughs> that's weird. I don't know it's why. the proudest I've seen him showing me something in a while. Because <laughs> usually they never do it. They do. Oh yeah, you like say super something slow. And yep. No, no that was good. All of them. All right, I think we're done with it. We've beat this dead horse or beat this horse to death. So, all right, you got your wacky fact ready. You said people were sending you. You using someone's wacky? People fact? are sending me them. Yes. Oh, so you guys need to do better at work if you're having to do Warren's wacky facts. No, because it's a fun section. So we're going to yes. get two today, one that I provided and one that uh, that Logan provided. He He's said, just on it. Yeah, he did. He said, you know that a whale's heart is the size of a car and can be de- detected from over two miles away. Wow, I did not know that one. That's pretty crazy. I know crazy. a lot about whales, I feel like, and that is not one I knew. I wonder what kind of car. What just kind a of, car, man. Yeah. Like I an El Camino? One, I thought this one was kind of funny. <laughs> It took the creator of the Rubik's Cube one month to figure out how to solve the Rubik's Cube. Why? <laughs> I wonder how he knew that it was going to... I don't know either. Isn't that crazy? Well, how do you create something like that? I don't know. Is that yours? Holy smokes. Yeah, here's another one, though. An ant's sense of smell is stronger than a dog's. Well, you ain't, ain't never going to kill them. Well, that doesn't... Dude, <laughs> I wonder if you... Aren't they really smart, too? They're super, super strong. They can carry six times their own body weight. I am getting a leash, and I'm going to figure out how to train an ant. Oh, my yeah. God. Imagine that for blood trailing. Yep. That would be freaking gnarly. That would be just, just have this a fishing leash line. this little tiny be thing. Yeah. <laughs> just be freaking slow as hell. Well, <laughs> if it works. Hey, I've, I've curb stomped them before. They move pretty quick. <laughs> <laughs> I also Whatever. ate some of this kid. Yeah, I think everybody has. Yeah, they really don't have much flavor. No, they're just kind of gross. Maybe that's all right, us. guys. Well, thank you guys for tuning in to I th- what I think was a better, uh, better than usual topic because I feel like we got into some like pretty cool stuff there talking to, because it's it is it's something that we could go on and on, but you just have to experience it. So we look forward to hearing your guys' feedback. So continue to leave the reviews on Spotify, on Apple, and on YouTube, and we will try to answer some of you guys on YouTube. Not we. Dad, just, I, he's I, like, oh, I know now. I'm going to go answer I'm all gonna, of them. I just need someone to show me how to do it, and then I'll go do it. We you got reviews that. reviews on Shopify, too. We appreciate that. One. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah, you really can. Which is I was trying to think if you could do website. a podcast one on there. Anyways. All right. Ready? We're out of here. <laughs>